volume two chapter eleven part one of a strange world by mary elizabeth braddon this librivox recording is in the public domain eleven lost to her place and name part one having come to borsalen to perform a certain duty maurice clissold gave himself up heart and soul to the task in hand pleasant as it might have been to him to spend the greater part of his time in the agreeable society of mrs penwin and her guests playing croquet on sunny afternoons or joining in a match of billiards in the old hall meeting the best people to be met in that part of the world and living that smooth smiling life in which care seems to have no part pleasant as this might have been he gave it up without a sigh and spent his days and nights strolling about the farm or sitting by the hearth where the sick woman's presence maintained an unchanging gloom every day showed the swift progress of disease the malady which had made its first approaches with insidious slowness was now advancing upon the sufferer with appalling rapidity every day the hectic of the dying woman's cheek took a more feverish brightness the glassy eye a more awful light maurice felt that there was no time to be lost his eyes less accustomed to the aspect of the invalid than the eyes of kindred who had seen her daily throughout the progress of decline clearly perceived that the end was not far off whatever secrets were hidden in that proud heart must be speedily revealed or would remain buried there till the end of time yet how was he almost a stranger to win confidence which had been refused to a son he tried his uttermost to conciliate mrs trevenard by small attentions he adjusted the window-curtain so as to temper the light for those weary eyes he arranged the invalid's pillow as tenderly as martin could have done he read to her sometimes reading passages of scripture which she herself selected and which were frequently of an awful and denunciatory character the cry of prophets and holy men against the iniquities of their age those portions of holy writ which he himself chose were of a widely different tone he read all that is most consoling most tender in the gospel the words he chose were verily messengers of peace and even that stubborn heart was touched the woman who had prided herself on her own righteousness felt that she was a sinner one afternoon when maurice and mrs trevenard were alone by the fireside martin and his father being both at seacombe market and old mrs trevenard being confined to her room with a sharp attack of rheumatism the invalid appeared struck by the young man's kindness in remaining with her i should be dull company for you at the best of times she said and it's worse for you now that i'm so ill why don't you go for a ride or a drive and enjoy the country instead of sitting in this dismal room with me i am very glad to keep you company mrs trevenard he answered kindly you must find time heavy on market days when there's no one here yes the hours seem very long i make one of the girls sit here at her needlework but that's almost worse than loneliness to hear the click 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 of the needle and see the girl sitting there with no more sense in her than a statue or not so much for a statue does no harm and then one gets thinking of the past and the things we have done which we ought not to have done and the things left undone which we ought to have done it's a dreary thought when i was well and strong and able to bustle about the house i used to think i had done my duty in that state of life to which it had pleased god to call me i knew that i had never spared myself or given myself up to the lusts of the flesh such as eating and drinking and slothfulness the hardest crust or the poorest bit of the joint was always good enough for me i was always the first up of a morning summer and winter and my hands were never idle 
but since i've been ill and sitting here all day i've come to think myself a sinner that's a hard thought mr clissold after a life of care and labour perhaps it is the best thought any of us can have he answered the natural conclusion of every christian who considers how far his highest endeavours fall short of his master's divine example remember the story of the publican and then he read that sublimely simple record of the two men who went up into the temple to pray he had hardly finished when mrs trevenard burst into tears the first he had ever seen her shed the sight shocked him and yet inspired hope i have been like the pharisee i have trusted in my own righteousness she said at last drying her tears dear mrs trevenard maurice began earnestly there are few of us altogether blameless there are few lives in which some wrong has not been done to others some mistake which perhaps has gone far to wreck the happiness of others the uttermost we can do the uttermost god will demand from us is repentance and atonement such poor atonement at least as we may be able to offer for the wrong we have done but it is a bitter thing to outstand god's hour and hold by our wrong-doing to appear before him as obstinate sinners who know their sin yet cleave to it the words moved her for she turned her face away from him and buried it on her pillow he could see the feeble frame shaken by stifled sobs if you have wronged any one and seek to atone for that wrong now in this eleventh hour said maurice mrs trevenard turned quickly round interrupting him eleventh hour she repeated then they have all made up their minds that i am to die indeed no your husband and son and all about you most earnestly desire your recovery but you have been so long suffering from this trying disease without improvement that a natural fear has arisen they are right she said with a gloomy look i feel that my doom is upon me it will not shorten your days or lessen your chances of recovery if you prepare for the worst mrs trevenard said maurice determined to push the question to its ultimate issue many a man defers making his will from a dim notion that to make it is to bring death nearer to him and then some day death approaches him unawares and his wishes remain unfulfilled we must all die so why should we not live prepared for death i thought i was prepared replied mrs trevenard because i have clung to the scriptures the gospel imposes certain duties upon us and if those duties are unfulfilled our holding by the bible will avail us very little it isn't reading the bible but living according to its teaching that will make us christians you talk to me boldly said the sick woman as if you knew i was a sinner i know nothing about you mrs trevenard except that you seem to have been a good wife and a good mother at that word mother bridget trevenard winced as if an old wound had been touched but i believe that you have some heavy burden on your mind continued maurice and that you will know neither rest nor peace until that load has been lightened you are a shrewd judge said mrs trevenard bitterly and pray how came you to think this of me the conviction has grown out of various circumstances which i need not trouble you with i am a student of mankind mrs trevenard a close observer by habit pray do not suppose that i have watched you or played the spy at your fireside be assured that i have no feeling but friendship towards you that my sympathy is ready for your sorrows and if you can be induced to trust me if i could trust you 
repeated mrs trevenard if there was any one on earth i dared trust in whose honest friendship i could believe in whose word i dare confide the honour of a most unhappy household heaven knows i would turn to him gladly enough my husband is weak and helpless a man who would blab a bitter secret to every acquaintance he has who would look to others to drag him out of every difficulty and make his trouble town talk my son is hot-headed and impulsive would take trouble too deeply to heart and would be betrayed into some act of folly before i was cold in my grave no there are none of my household i dare trust trust me mrs trevenard she looked at him earnestly with her melancholy eyes looked as if she would fain have pierced the secrets of his heart you are a man of the world she said and therefore might be able to give help and counsel in a difficult matter you are a gentleman and therefore would not betray a family secret but what reason can you have for interesting yourself in my affairs why should you take any trouble about me or mine first because i am honestly attached to your son and secondly because i felt a profound interest in your afflicted daughter at that word the mother started up from her reclining position and looked at the speaker fixedly muriel she exclaimed i did not know you had ever seen her i have seen her and spoken to her i met her one evening in the copse at the bottom of the garden and talked to her what did she talk about you and her child this was a random shot but it hit the mark great heaven she spoke to you of that a secret of years gone by which it has been the business of my life to hide which i have thought of through many a wakeful night upon my weary pillow and she told you a stranger i spoke to her about you but at the word mother she shrank from me with a look of horror do not speak to me of my mother she cried what has she done with my child that speech made a profound impression upon me as you can imagine the remembrance of that speech emboldens me to ask for your confidence to-day i saved that unhappy girl's good name said mrs trevenard there you doubtless did a mother's duty but was it the maintenance of her character which occasioned the loss of her reason i don't know it is a miserable story from first to last but since you know so much i may as well trust you with the rest and if when you have heard all you think there has been a wrong done that needs redress you will perhaps help me to bring about that redress be assured of my uttermost help if you will but trust me fully you shall hear all said mrs trevenard decisively she took a little of some cooling drink which always stood ready for her on the table by her easy-chair and then began the story of a family sorrow you have seen muriel she said and you have perceived in her wasted countenance some faint traces of former beauty at eighteen years of age she was a noble creature she had a face which pleased and attracted every one who saw her her schoolmistress wrote me letters about the admiration she had excited on the breaking-up day when the gentry whose daughters attended the school met to witness the distribution of prizes i was weak enough to shed tears of joy over those letters weak enough to be proud of gifts which were destined to become a snare of the evil one muriel was clever as well as beautiful she was always at the top of her class always the winner of prizes her father and i used to read her letters again and again and i think we both worked all the harder 
looked forward to the day when muriel would marry some gentleman farmer and would require a handsome portion we were quite content with our own position as simple working people but we had given muriel the education of a lady and we counted upon her marrying above her station after all she's a trevenard her father used to say and the trevenards come of as good a stock as any in cornwall not even barring the penwins well the time came for muriel to come home for good she had not spent much of her holidays at home for there'd almost always been some of her favourite fellow-pupils that wanted her company and when she was invited to stay at gentlefolks houses i didn't like to say no and her father said it was a good thing for her to make friends among the gentry so most of her holiday time had been spent out visiting in spite of old mrs trevenard who was always grumbling about it and saying that no good ever came of people forgetting their position but now the time had come for muriel to take her place beside the family hearth and share our plain quiet life the mother paused with a bitter sigh vividly recalling that bygone day and her daughter's vanished beauty the fair young face which had smiled at her from the other side of the hearth the happy girlish laugh the glad young voice the atmosphere of youth and brightness which muriel's return had brought to the grave old homestead her grandmother had declared that muriel would be dull and discontented at home that we had made a great mistake in having her educated and brought up among her superiors in station spoiling her by putting false notions in her head and a good deal more of the same kind but there was no discontent about muriel when she came among us she took her place as naturally as possible wanted to help me with the dairy or about the house or to do anything she could to make herself useful but i was too proud of her beauty and her cleverness to allow that no muriel i said you've been educated as a lady and you shall not be the less a lady because you've come home your life here may be very dull there's no help for that but it shall be the life of a lady you may play the piano and read your books and do fancy work and no one shall ever call upon you to saw your fingers in dairy work or housework so when she found i was determined she gave way and lived like a lady her father bought her a piano which still stands in the best parlour he gave her money to buy all the books she wanted indeed there's nothing she could have asked of him that he would have denied her he was so proud and fond of his only daughter she brought you happiness then in the beginning said maurice yes there couldn't have been a better girl than muriel was for the first year after she left school she was always the same sweet smiling creature full of life never finding the old house dull amusing herself day after day with her books and piano roaming about the fields and along the beach for hours together sometimes alone sometimes with her little brother to keep her company she was very fond of her brother i understand yes she doted upon martin she taught him to read and write and cipher and used to tell him fairy tales of an evening between the lights sitting in a low chair by the hearth she sang him to sleep many a night in fact she took all the trouble of him off my hands she and her grandmother got on very well together too and the old lady having nothing to do muriel and she were often companions mrs trevenard was not blind at that time but her sight was weak and she was glad to get muriel to read to her altogether our home seemed brighter and happier after muriel came back to us 
perhaps we were not humble enough or thankful enough for our happiness anyhow trouble soon came how did the evil begin as it almost always does it stole upon us unawares like a thief in the night the squire's eldest son captain penwin came home on leave before going on foreign service with his regiment and spent a good deal of his leisure time fly-fishing in the streams about here it was splendid summer weather and we weren't surprised at his being about the place so much especially as folks said that he and his father didn't get on well together now and again he would come in on a warm afternoon and take a draught of milk and sit and talk for half an hour or so he was a perfect gentleman or had the seeming of one he was grave and thoughtful in his ways yet full of kindness and pleasantness he was just the last kind of man that any father and mother would have thought of shutting their door against his manner to muriel was as respectful as if she had been the greatest lady in the land but he and she naturally found a good deal to say to each other she having been educated as a lady and being able to understand and appreciate all he said mrs trevenard paused she was approaching the painful part of her story and had need to nerve herself for the effort heaven knows i had neither fear nor thought of fear at the time our sorrow came upon us i had complete confidence in muriel if i had seen her surrounded by a score of admirers i should have felt no anxiety she was a trevenard and the trevenards had always been noted for beauty and pride no female of the trevenard family had ever been known to lower herself or to forfeit her good name and she came of as good a race on her mother's side the last thing i should have thought of was that my daughter would degrade herself by listening to a dishonourable proposal well time went on and one day muriel brought me a letter she had received from her late schoolmistress asking her to go and stay at the school for a week or two at michaelmas the school was just outside seacombe a handsome house standing in its own gardens and there were very few of the pupils that were not gentlemen's daughters or at any rate daughters of the richest farmers in the neighbourhood altogether miss barlow's school stood very high in people's estimation and i felt flattered by miss barlow's asking my daughter to visit her now that muriel's schooling days were over and there was no more money to be expected from us again a pause and a sigh and a few minutes of thoughtful silence before mrs trevenard resumed muriel was very much excited about the invitation i remember the bright flush upon her cheeks as she showed me the letter in her curious half-breathless way when she asked if i would let her go and if i thought her father would consent to her going why you're very anxious to run away from us muriel i said but that's only to be expected borsal end must be dull for you no indeed mother she answered quickly borsal end is a dear old place and i've been very happy here but i should like to accept miss barlow's invitation you consented i suppose yes it wouldn't have been easy for us to refuse anything she asked at that time and i think both her father and i were proud of her being made a friend of by such a superior person as miss barlow so one sunny morning at the beginning of the michaelmas holidays my husband drove muriel over to seacombe in the trap and left her with miss barlow she was to stay a fortnight and her father was to fetch her at the end of the visit but before the fortnight was over we had a letter from muriel asking to be allowed to extend her visit to three weeks 
and saying that her father needn't trouble about fetching her as miss barlow would arrange for sending her home this wounded michael a little being so proud of his daughter i thought my girl would have been glad to see her father after a fortnight's separation he said she always used to be glad when i went over to see her on market days and if i missed a week she used to call me unkind and tell me how she had fretted at not seeing me but i suppose things are changed now she's a young woman did she come back at the time promised no it was two or three days over the three weeks when she returned she came in a hired fly from seacombe and i had never seen her look more beautiful or more a lady than she looked when she stepped out of the carriage in front of the porch ah i thought to myself she looks as if she was born to hold a high position in the county and i thought of captain penwin and what a match he would be for her i did not think he was a bit too good for her there's no knowing what may happen i said to myself well from this time forward she had a strange fitful way with her sometimes all brightness and happiness sometimes low-spirited her grandmother noticed the change and said it was the consequence of over-education you've reared up your child to have all kinds of wishes and fancies that you can't understand or satisfy she said and have made her unfit for her home i wouldn't believe this yet as the time went on i could see clearly enough that muriel was not happy again a heavy sigh and a brief pause captain penwin left cornwall about this time to join his regiment in canada and after he had gone i observed that muriel's low spirits which had been fitful before became continual she evidently struggled with her grief tried to amuse herself with her books and piano tried to interest herself in little martin but it was no use i have often gone into the best parlour where she sat and found her in tears i have asked her the cause of her despondency but she always put me off with some answer she had been reading a book that affected her or she had been playing a piece of music which always made her cry and i noticed that at this time she rarely played any music that was not melancholy if she began anything bright and gay she always broke down in it and her father sometimes asked her what had become of all her lively tunes all at once it struck me that perhaps she had grown attached to captain penwin little as they had seen of each other and that she was fretting at his absence yet i thought this would be too foolish for our muriel or perhaps she had been wounded by his indifference to her a girl accustomed to so much admiration as she had received might expect to make conquests i used to puzzle myself about the cause of her sadness for hours together as i went about the house but in all my thoughts of muriel i never imagined anything near the horrible truth she stopped clasped her hands before her face and then went on hurriedly one night when muriel was sitting by this hearth with her brother in her arms singing to him she broke down suddenly and began to sob hysterically her father was frightened out of his wits and came fussing about her in a way to make her worse but i put my arm round her and led her to her own room when we were together there she flung herself upon my breast and then the awful truth came out a child was to be born in this house a child whose birth must be hidden whose father's name was never to be spoken did she tell you all the truth she told me nothing 
there was a secret she said a secret she had solemnly sworn to keep come what might she asked me to trust her to believe in her honour in spite of all that seemed to condemn her she asked me to send her away somewhere to some quiet corner of the earth where no one need know her name or anything about her but i told her there was no corner of the earth so secret that slander and shame would not follow her and no hiding-place so safe as her father's house if you were to go away it would set people talking i said there may have been a secret marriage suggested maurice i asked her that question but she refused to answer i cannot believe that she would have kept back the truth from me her mother in that hour of agony i asked her if george penwin was the villain who had brought this misery upon us but this question also she refused to answer she had made a promise that sealed her lips she said i must think the worst of her if i could not trust her would it not have been better and wiser to believe in your daughter's honour even in the face of circumstances that seemed to condemn asked maurice with a touch of reproach who can be wise when they see all they have most loved and honoured suddenly snatched away from them the discovery of my daughter's dishonour was more bitter to me than her sudden death would have been when i left her that night my prayer was that she might die and her sorrow and her blighted name go down unknown to the grave a wicked prayer you think no doubt but you have never passed through such an agony as i felt that night i lay awake thinking what was to be done i had no doubt in my own mind that george penwin was the man who had slain my daughter's soul there was no one else i could suspect when i rose at daybreak next morning i had my plan in some measure settled maurice listened breathlessly he felt that he was on the threshold of the household mystery the sacrifice that had been made to the family's good name whenever any of us were ill old mrs trevenard used to doctor us she has all kinds of recipes for medicines to cure small ailments it was only when a case was very bad that we sent for a doctor now my first precaution was to remove muriel to the room above her grandmother's a room cut off from the rest of the house as you know and to place her under old mrs trevenard's care in such a manner that the house servant we had only one then had no chance of approaching her to do this of course i had to tell mrs trevenard the secret you may suppose that went hard with me but the old lady behaved well throughout my trouble and never spoke a reproachful word of muriel let her come to me poor lamb she said i'll stand by her come what may so we moved muriel to that out-of-the-way room and i told her father that she was ill with a slight attack of low fever and that i thought it wisest to place her in her grandmother's care he was very anxious and fidgety about her and a dreadful gloom seemed to fall upon the house i know that i went about my daily work with a heart that was ready to break it must have been a hard time indeed said maurice compassionately End of Volume 2, Chapter 11, Part 1